Welcome to the GW Business of Sports podcast. We talk about sports, careers, mentors, leadership, and a lot more here. And we do the show from the Foggy Bottom Campus in Washington, D.C. I'm Mark Hyman, professor in the Business of Sports program at GW. My producer is Henry Levy. Welcome to season two of the podcast. We have some great guests lined up. Some are GW grads, some are not, some are familiar voices, others I think will probably be new to you, but all of them I think are going to be really good listens. For this episode, I had the chance to speak with Jacob Rehm, Senior Director of Digital Media for Monumental Sports and Entertainment, and it's really an intriguing, fascinating job that Jacob has for reasons that we'll get into in a moment. We recorded during a recent meeting of the Sport Media and Communications class, and and the acoustics in the room were good, but not perfect. So there'll be an air of kind of raw authenticity to this episode. It runs about 14 minutes, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Okay, Jacob Rehm, thank you so much for coming to GW. Thanks for having me. And you're, you're very gracious. Of course, you're a GW grad. And we see you quite a bit on campus. Um, I know that you were uh, a panelist at the SYNC conference in February. I know because I had the privilege of being the moderator of that panel. And and I know that you speak to classes as well, and we really appreciate that. My pleasure. Um, We want to know a little bit more about you and, and your path to your current job. Um, you went to Carleton College. Sure did. But tell us a little bit about growing up. Where, where did you grow up? And grew, grew up right here uh, in Bethesda, Maryland. I went to uh, Georgetown Day School, not to be confused with Georgetown Prep right now. Um, definitely not the same school. I played a lot of tennis, and when time came to go to college, I was getting recruited by Division three schools, and I decided I wanted to get off the East Coast, and Carlton's a really good fit. I loved their coach. And so I went out to uh, play tennis at Carleton and majored in Eastern European history. Had nothing to do with sports or business or digital media or anything like that. And then when I, uh, when I graduated from there, I uh, decided I wanted to go to law school. So I went to work at a law firm and applied to law school. And I didn't do that. And then I was like, maybe I'll go get a PhD in history. So I applied for that and didn't go to that. And then finally settled here. And so it's not too specific, pretty broad, but... Well, tell us a little bit about that period where you were searching after college and trying yeah. to figure out what was coming next. Um, what, what is it that you were looking for, and, and, and why weren't you finding it, do you think? Well, I really wanted to play professional tennis, and it turns out they wouldn't have me on the pro tour. So, um, so I had to come up with something else. And, um, you know, both my parents were attorneys, and um, they both lay a lot of Jewish guilt... So uh, I thought, why not go to law school? But it turns out I really didn't want to do that. That would have been a horrible idea. I went and I was a paralegal at a law firm for like nine or ten months, and that's as long as I made it. Um, it was just, it was just miserable. So then I went and I decided I tried teaching, and I was a teacher and a and a tennis coach um, for one season, one year of school, one season of tennis, and I really hated that too. What what grades were you teaching? I was teaching middle school math. And I would actually, I didn't really know much math, so I was going to the, uh, I was taking bathroom breaks and going to check Wikipedia for how to do geometry. Um, 
and so basically I was I was hired to, I was hired Is that to, a true story? Yeah, it's totally true. Okay. Um, I was hired to coach and there was a sub that uh, there was a middle school math teacher who gave birth and so I was her long term sub while she was on maternity leave. Um, and so that's during that time I applied to for for PhD in history programs. I was like go back to school but once again I was really just searching for something to do and it's actually a conversation I had with my father who said to me, he was like, Jacob, all you do is sit around and watch sports. Why don't you try to have a career in sports? And I I was like, that's not a real thing. People can't actually do that. You can't just go work in sports. And he was like, I think you might be wrong. Like, check out these programs. And so I, I looked into some some programs. And yeah, sure enough, there were sport management programs across the country. And so I looked into them and I eventually, and, and GW was one of the schools I applied to. And about, you know, two weeks after I applied, I got an e- email from a woman some of you may have heard of named Lisa. And uh, she said to me, let's get you in here. Let's, uh, let's get you an internship. Let's get you started. What do you want to do? And I was like, whoa, I haven't even picked GW as my school yet. And, um, and I was like, well, I guess I am now. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, so I started off with an internship for a tennis agent um, who, um, it was an interesting, it was an interesting experience, but it was my first um, foray into the sports world. She represented such players as the Bryan brothers and some other people. And what were you doing? Um, a lot of scut work. Anything that you know she would have hired a handyman to do. I was doing, um, but no, I was at that point. I taught myself. I taught myself um, how to be a web developer during those years of being lost. I I really dove into that, and that's how I got the job. And actually, if you go to the if you go to the, Brian Brothers website. That's still something that built when I was there. Um, it's the same website. Um, it's not mobile responsive. Um, and so, and so from there, I um, after I um, after I was uh, I was there for a short time, and I went to go work for for a startup that I was I was really passionate about. And it's, it was at the time it was called Activate Social. It's now called Hashtag Sports. They've done really well for themselves, but. Um, and I was there for about a year, um, and it was it was a great experience. They were doing a lot of different, way different stuff than they are now. I don't know. Have you guys been to the hashtag sports? It's a conference in Brooklyn. It's huge in the sports world. I would highly recommend it if you have a chance. But um, I um, I was with those guys for about a year, and when I um, got the opportunity to go join the Wizards, is um, I started off as a as a web developer for Monumental and. I've been there now for seven years, worn a lot of different hats, and I'm now uh, the senior director of digital media. So we were talking before you walked in. Before uh, um, we had no idea that you would be drenched in what we were putting you through before you came in tonight. Um, but we were talking about what an interesting portfolio, what an interesting company Monumental is, because it's it's in the facilities business. It, it owns you know, multiple franchises. And it's a media company now. Yep. So, um, so I, I oversee the digital for all of our teams, with the exception of the Capitals. They have their own little universe out at. Um, it's now called um, MedStar Capitals Iceplex. The name just changed from Kettler. Um, so MedStar made a significant investment, and so that includes the Arena Football League, three basketball teams, some video games, and so I, I, I wear a lot of different hats. I mean, the Wizards is certainly my highest priority for sure of those is um, it's a lot of work but um, but I do enjoy getting my hands in a lot of different places 
Could you talk to us about the, the voice of each account, each team, and then each account within each team? It's a great, it's a great question, you know, and um, it's interesting because we're actually having a lot of discussions right now about what the voice of the go-go, our new G League team is going to be because they haven't even started playing yet and we're kind of formulating that. Um, uh, I would say, so the Arena Football League teams are two years old, and so their voices were just formulated within the last couple of years um, um, by a couple of really talented folks who um, who really had no idea much about the Arena Football League universe or anything like that. And they were run, they still do run like both accounts at the same time. I mean, when, when our two teams play against each other, they'll be sitting there like tweeting back and forth at each other, you know, both under the monumental name, but running two different teams with two completely different voices. And, and so it was really, um, you know, the, the, and then we have the Mystics, and we really turned the Mystics, you know, tried to make it a much, you know, cooler brand when we got Deladon and we started playing really well. And so, and they've really turned that into a very, um, for lack of a better word, probably not a good word, but hip sort of thing that a different sort of, looking at a different sort of demographic than, um, than the traditional Mystics fan, I'd say. So, incorporating a lot of different um, a lot of different modern music and stuff like that into it and a lot of lyrics and and um, trying to make the, that brand a lot cooler and done a great job with that so you're speaking to the sport media and communications course right now graduate up, course and um, and we've spent some time talking about this idea of you know where a voice comes from is it something that that is purposeful and is Unrelated to the person who's managing the account, yes. Or, or is it really about the person who is I mean, giving their own personality? It to certainly the helps if the person can identify with the brand. But, for example, on the Wizards handle, I have three very, very different people running the same accounts, and I can't have only one of them being able to post. They all have to have this voice, and you know, they all. The idea is that. We know exactly what the Wizards would say. Not what you would say, not what I would say, but what the Wizards would say. And we've really also tried to really make the, make the try to turn the Wizards brand. It's been, it's a slower turn. It's not as, it hasn't been as, as sudden. Um, you're navigating a very different water when you're talking about an NBA team versus an arena football league team. And, you know, it's just sort of anything goes wild, wild west in the AFL and, under the in the NBA, every single thing you do is under an extreme microscope. So it's an interesting world to navigate of wanting to have it be as engaging as possible, have it be as smart as possible, have it be as um, witty as possible, but also, you know, keeping with company line, keeping with the front office's wishes. And so you really there's there's a line drawn in the sand. And I always say that I. I when I want to post something, I ask myself the question, will I get an email from our PR head? And if the answer could even possibly be yes, we shut it down, unfortunately. And I, I actually have a whole document on my computer of all the posts over the years that I wish I could have posted. And there are, there are some gems in there. The most, the most recent email I got from him was about the, uh, the John Wall USA basketball photo. I don't know if any of you guys saw that. Yep, everybody, great. Just what I wanted to hear. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, man, how wide's your distribution on your podcast? I don't know if I want to. It's probably about thirty-eight. All right, great. Um, you know, I we actually have a podcast that I host for the Wizards. It's a great time to plug it that y'all need to listen to. It's called Off the Bench. Um, 
We had Jeff Green on today from uh, from Georgetown. The Cavs just joined us this offseason. And so uh, go listen. All right, that was my <laughs> ad. Um, so what happened with the John Wall USA basketball? This is so this is a super unique situation. And I've gotten I, – this one I didn't get in trouble for. That was his official USA basketball headshot. I got that email straight from USA Basketball PR. Here's his headshot. Feel free to use how you see fit. I just forwarded it along to my team. It was like, hey, guys – Throw this up if you want. None of us even really looked at it. You know, it was it was like it was from it was from a PR team, and it just turned out that it was not the greatest photo <laughs> in the world. But you know, but that John John isn't always like the most put together guy in the universe. Like we see him like strolling into practice and stuff a lot like that. I mean, yes, he dresses phenomenally well and like he he puts himself together when he wants to. But sometimes he just is you know like that, and so we didn't really think much of it, and then. It's incredible what can take off in the universe. Well, what happened? Tell us a little bit about what happened went, from your perspective. It went super viral. Uh, I took a bunch of laps around the arena, contemplating how I was going to lose my job, and then eventually um, spoke with PR, spoke with our director of player personnel, and we elected to take the tweet down. Which I, by the way, I would never advocate for doing. Um, I Why? think it's you've put it up there. Everybody screenshotted it. What's the point? You look. I'm not cowardice, but there's no there's no real reason to take it down. Um, I would prefer that, but obviously got to go with company line, and that was fine too. It wasn't a big deal, but it wasn't causing anybody harm. It was objectively funny, um, and it had its two minutes of viral moment in the sun in a on a lazy weekday afternoon, and then it was done. How did John Wall feel about it? He laughed. He didn't care. His comment afterwards was. Um, my mom called me and said I look homeless or something like that. <laughs> um, you know, you know, but that was definitely where I think our PR staff came from was concerned for how you would feel about it. But John is so chill about everything that, yeah. Okay, now my time with you is almost up, but I do want to ask you before we go, who, when you're just, you know, you're looking at social media accounts and. You're trying to find ideas that would be great to borrow or steal. Oh or yeah, appropriate. Steal a lot. Where Where are the good places to look for for really innovative thinking and, and ideas that impress you? I just have a feed with all with every major sports team in the U.S. and England and Spain and um, um, soccer, um, and I just spend a lot of time scrolling through Twitter and Instagram feeds. A lot of time and you get a lot of good ideas taken from the best in the business. And so I just that's where I try to generate a lot of stuff. So do you have, you know, one through ten. Here are the ten smartest people in this business that I... I have a lot of people I respect and admire. I don't think I have a top ten list. Okay. Great. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us. And this incredible round of applause is for you.